0: Welcome to episode 324 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Wine, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right. We're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. To choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IF Podcast with code IF Podcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
1: New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. BeautyCounter.com/Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 324 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Vanessa Spina. Hi, everyone. How are you, Vanessa?
1: I'm doing amazing. How are you?
0: I'm great. Where should we start? I feel like it's been so long.
1: I know. I've really missed podcasting with you. I was listening to today's episode and just been really enjoying listening back to our episodes. It was just funny because I remember when you first, you know, announced that you were going to be changing the host and you and I first started talking and I was like so excited to be co-hosting with you, but a tiny little part of me was like I'm going to miss like listening for my own pleasure. But it's actually still quite fun to listen, even though I already know what the answers are gonna be. It's still it's still fun. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we're back. I have so much fun. I was telling you this right before how I was talking with a friend yesterday and we were talking about the concept of loneliness and having connections and well, actually we were talking because I, I was reading about this as well, how especially men. I think loneliness becomes more of an epidemic for them, especially when they age and it's like hard for them to find friend groups. But in any case, I was reflecting on how the people I get to hang out with daily in my work are also like my best friends, like you and Scott, our supplement partner and all the things. So I'm really grateful for that.
1: I am too. It makes it so much fun. Like I, I'm like going to work at night and I'm like, I'm like so excited
0: I know. I know. And it's been so long. I still continue to be... I just want to update listeners. I'm still really, really obsessed now that I've used it some more with this Carol AI bike. Oh, yeah. It's like my jam. It's amazing. I remember you said you were really into it. Yeah. Because I think last time I talked about it, I just started it. I'm actually able to do it a couple times a week now. And it's just so... Easy. Like to do basically for listeners, it's like hit H-I-I-T interval training, but it's called rehit because it's even more efficient and it uses AI and the whole workout just takes like eight minutes. Like I was saying before, it acts like you're a hunter-gatherer walking in the woods, and then like a tiger comes and it yells at you and you run, and it's amazing. So if people are really looking to optimize their metabolic health and fitness and are not gym goers intense like me, then definitely check it out. The code Melanie Avalon will get you $100 off of that. It's called Carol AI. So if you go to carolbike.com, you can learn about it. And the coupon code Melanie Avalon will get you $100 off. And I'm wondering if they'll be at the biohacking conference, which is next week, Vanessa. Oh my goodness. I'm so scared. How do, you, how do you travel so intensely? Give me your skills.
1: I'm lucky that my parents brought me up traveling a lot and we did such long flights, but I always find packing to be challenging because there's so many micro decisions involved and you kind of have to anticipate all these different scenarios and things. And now that we have a one-year-old, almost two-year-old, it adds a whole other... <laughs> dimension to packing of anticipating their needs as well. And for me, that's, that's like the toughest part about doing it. But I just, I think I just like try to plan as best as I can. Some of my friends make spreadsheets, things, especially when you have like more than one kid, you know, like my best friend, Jess, she has like spreadsheet that she'll send to me on her packing methods and, and things like that. Cause there's just so many things you have to remember, but At the end of the day, like if you need something, you can probably find it locally unless you're going to like the middle of the jungle or something. But what is it about travel that do you find the most like intimidating
0: or challenging? Mostly how it affects my, (laughs) the circadian rhythms of everything in my body. So like my digestion primarily, my sleep. It's really those things. So it's not the actual travel I mean, it is a lot to like bring all your stuff, like all my supplements yeah. and all my like red light devices and clothing and shoes. Yeah. So it's more like the environment I would like to have. Although, although I just learned when I interviewed, who was saying this? Oh, when I interviewed David Milburn at Hypo Air, he makes a certain type of air purifier he said, "Did you know this, Vanessa? He said that if you call hotels and ask for the hypoallergenic rooms, that a lot of hotels have special rooms for people with like issues and so they'll use like more cleaning stuff and did you know that?" "No, that's really interesting." "He said most hotels do it and they'll have like more air purification." "He said the reason he knows about it is they actually outfit hotels with their technology for these either rooms or floors. Oh, interesting. So I was like, that's a, get- oh, I need to, I'm glad we're talking about this. <laughs> After this, I'm gonna. You need to do that for your trip. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna do that. I'll report back. I was just
1: reading about how air purity can affect the mitochondria and how important it is to have a HEPA air filter, which I've started looking into for, at least for our bedroom, because you spend so much time in there breathing every night. Yeah. I'm looking into one now and apparently it has to be HEPA designated in order to like meet certain standards that would be
0: beneficial to your mitochondria. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. So in the study, they were they were looking at HEPA filters specifically?
1: This is in a new book I'm reading about the future of medicine, the mitochondria. It's really interesting. And because they were sort of listing out the top things that can affect your mitochondria. And it's one of the topics I talk about on other podcasts when people interview me is like the ways that you can optimize your mitochondria. So I'm always like trying to learn more things. And the author's number one thing when it came to optimizing mitochondria was getting a HEPA air filter. So I was like, well, if it's her number one thing, then I think I need to look into this. And it's it's because, as you know, the mitochondria need oxygen to make ATP And the ingestion of carbon monoxide is so bad for the mitochondria because of like, it's basically a lack of oxygen. So the ATP production stops and this buildup of electron happens and electrons. So it's, it's so crucial to the
0: mitochondria to have like pure oxygen. So that's really fascinating. When I interviewed David I learned, I can't wait to air that episode, I learned so much about air purification because apparently there's, I mean, there's multiple different modalities and methods. And so HEPA, for example, has to do with particle size. So like physically capturing particles in the air and the HEPA designation is designating that it can capture a certain I don't know if it's a certain particle size or number, but that's what it's addressing basically. Then there's other, I should pull out the charts I had from when I interviewed him. So like in my apartment, I have multiple units that use HEPA air filters. So like I use Allen, I have Air Doctor. And then there's other technologies. So like his technology, HypoAir, it's crazy because it's like this really small little unit. But what it does is it actually, it's technology and now I'm like forgetting exactly the technology, but it basically acts offensively instead of defensively. So if you think of HEPA, like HEPA is sort of being like a defense because it's like taking the the particles out of the air. This like actually changes something in the air that actually goes out and kills things. So it like kills mold spores and viruses and on surfaces. And so the air doesn't have to go through the unit for it to kill things everywhere in the room, which is really fascinating. Then there's other filters like a lot of HEPA filters will have like carbon filters as well, and that helps absorb odors and gases. Yeah, there's just so much to to air purification, and I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with it. I have so many units in my apartment. Do you also have plants? Because that's something that I know
1: there's certain plants that can be natural air purifiers for you. I
0: do. I have. Well, I have. You know, my cucumbers. I have my cucumbers. I have a Dollar Tree. I have quite a few different plants. I don't have I know there are specific ones that are supposed to be better like better at that. I'm not sure, you know, if any of mine meet those qualifications, but I do like the plants. Do you have Oh, I saw on your Instagram your beautiful. Was that your deck that you did?
1: Yes, we just redid the stone on the deck so we have a terrace going around like the front of our place and then on the side. And then we have a little garden on the side and we we were replacing the stone and it turned out really nice. It They got it all done in one day and it just kind of like upgraded the side because it was just like a kind of an older stone that had been there. And the, our building is like actually quite new, but it just like had been a bit weathered. So we replaced it and it, it looks all pretty now with the flowers and everything. But we actually live right next to a small forest. So... Like if you saw in the stories, like there's just forest everywhere and it's like, there's basically like our deck and then there's just forest. So it's, it's really amazing because we're still in the city too. Wow. That's like best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. I'm so jealous. City and forest all together.
1: That's why I was telling you, we were so excited. You know, speaking of biking, which you kicked the episode off with your carol bike, we were so excited to get our bikes out. I mean, I keep telling you about it because it's actually been three years since I've gotten to bike and Pete and I, that's what we would do every weekend. We would like get on our bikes, go down, bike all along the river, stop somewhere like a cute little burger place and like get burgers and then like get back on the bike. And it was just so much fun. And we did that all summer. And then because I was pregnant and then had Luca, we haven't been able to. And we finally, he's finally old enough that we got him a little bike seat and he's on the bike seat on the back of Pete's bike. And so they go in front and I'm in the back so I can like watch him and interact with him. And we're just like back at it finally. And it's like, it's absolute heaven, just like going through the woods. And because like I was saying, the woods are all around us. Like we can just Go up into the forest here and like bike for hours and then discover like little hidden like castles in the woods and like hidden castles. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, there was one this weekend. Wait, real hidden castles? Are they abandoned? Czech has the highest density of castles per capita in Europe. So there's castles everywhere.
0: Well, okay, wait. Let's pause for one second. Okay, so like people live in these castles?
1: Well, most of them are some of them people still live like the original families will hand them down and they'll live in like part of the castle. But that's like what we do a lot of times on the weekend is go visit a castle and you can go do a tour of like the interior. And a lot of them still have original furniture in it. And it's like absolutely stunning. And they have these like incredible Venetian chandeliers from Murano in Italy. And like, it's just so beautiful and so much fun. (laughs) And we, we go to a lot of them on the weekends and we're we're starting to do that now that we're able to be more like mobile and stuff. But there's one that we went to, we were just talking about this weekend, we stumbled upon and it, it looks like it, it used to have like the Knights Templar or something there. And we found another one that had all this like, this grotto inside and then we went inside and there was all like the Knights Templar relics and like all of their just like, clothes that they wore and like it's just amazing like just 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 find this stuff in the middle of nowhere sometimes.
0: Whoa. That's such an adventure.
1: It's so much fun. And now we can take Luca with us. So um, I want to get that Carol bike you're talking about, but we also love biking outside in the summer. It's just so amazing to be in nature and now that we're back at it, like it's all I think about
0: during the week is like (laughs) I can't wait to go biking on Saturday and Sunday. That's amazing. Now it's reminding me too. growing up, when I was growing up growing up in Atlanta, I'm going to have to go back and find this. I'm going to do this. I wonder if it's still there. I remember outside of our neighborhood, there was a castle. It was like a person's normal house, but they made it look like a castle. It had like a moat. It had a moat. I'm going to go, I'm going <laughs> to go find that. Like, by myself. I'm gonna go drive. It's kind of like when I when I first moved back here, I was like, I'm gonna go look at my childhood house. And I so I like drove to it and it was in a like not the safest part of town. Now like the everything has sort of changed. So I like drove and I just like parked and I just like sat there for a second and everybody was looking at me and then I like left. <laughs> but but I looked I looked at it for it's so crazy to see things from that, like from your childhood. Like this was like my real childhood. This was like until I was probably four or so.
1: And you're thinking of moving, right? I feel like I should move to Austin.
0: I would, I'm so jealous. Like I would love to live there. You should. <laughs> no, not really. You're in Prague with castles.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. We could form like this, like community with like all the biohackers sure. and people who are interested in health optimization. Yeah, it would be <laughs> like create a, some kind of like, what is it? Like a compound.
0: Yeah commune no no is that bad I feel like (laughs) I don't don't know the correct terminology yeah no I am I am seriously considering it I feel like everybody I know now or the a lot of the people I know in this sphere all live in Austin it's like the place to be although it's even is it even hotter than here Georgia I don't know probably similar but I know in the summer like when I would go to KetoCon, it was like it was
1: insanely
0: hot is it more dry though? A little, it's drier than the South. I'm not sure
1: exactly, but I just know that you just go in the AC because it's so hot.
0: Yeah. Well, we shall see. Also, I just realized, okay, next episode, I have to tell you about the wedding because I realized it's been so long since we've talked.
1: I actually was planning to ask you about it. Okay, let's save that recap for,
0: for the next one. Perfect. Okay. So one quick announcement before we jump in. My berberine supplement where we are launching subscriptions and we launched a large bottle for Serapeptase a few months ago, and that went really well. And we want to do it for berberine as well. But the issue is we don't know. It was easier with Serapeptase. with berberine. It's kind of hard to tell how often people are taking it and how much they're taking. So we're going to do a trial subscription thing where it's kind of like you guys get to help us know what you want. So this ends July 17th. So you have a little bit longer, so grab it now and you can get either two bottles for two months. So the normal bottles or two bottles for three months, and you will get grandfathered in for life on a major discount. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I don't want to say because I don't want to, to be wrong, but it, it'll be basically one of the biggest discounts you can get and you'll be grandfathered in. So as long as you keep the subscription, you'll keep that discount. Then based on how that goes, will make a large bottle based on what's more popular. So it's going to help us know what you guys want with a large bottle. And it also gives people the chance to get on a Berberine subscription. It's really shocking. I mean this. Like I thought when I made my Berberine that it would be the same. I was taking Thorn before. I thought it would look the same on my CGM because I really did. I like Thorn. It's crazy that effect I've seen on my personal blood sugar levels using Avalon X Berberine. And other people have said this as well, like Friends, other influencers. So if you're looking to help your blood sugar and work with that, it also has anti-aging effects because it affects the AMPK pathway. It can help with cholesterol. It can help the gut microbiome. It's really an awesome supplement. So avalonx.us, you can get that subscription now. You can get updates at avalonx.us slash email list. And you can get text updates with a 20% off coupon code when you text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. And now with all of that, before we jump in, Vanessa, do you want to give your landing page for your protein powder that's coming out in the future?
1: I am so excited about Tone Protein, which is a scientifically formulated protein that is optimized for building muscle triggering muscle protein synthesis and I'm going to be sharing more details on how it works but if you would like to get on the exclusive VIP list you'll receive a very special launch discount and you just need to sign up with your name and email at toneprotein.com and that's toneprotein.com and I'm sure you'll link that up in the show notes for
0: everyone. I'm so excited for you. I think about you now all the time. Last night I was listening to an interview all about protein powders. Oh, it was about protein powders and BCA. It was about everything protein. And they were talking about their product. And I was like, Vanessa is going to have the best product ever. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much. Because I know, aren't you like focusing on formulating it to be the, like the, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I feel very good about your formulation. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to be
1: sharing more details on how it works, but it is, yeah, it's being scientifically optimized for for building muscle in a way that no other protein is doing or has done. So I'm really excited about it. Oh my goodness. I'm so
0: excited. Okay. So yes, friends.
1: Hi friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the tone device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time restricted eating, lower carb diets, or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the Tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the Tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the Tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day. And you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher. And it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the Tone, the second generation Tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the Tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter Enter your name and email address, and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in, and you'll be the first to know when the new second-generation Tone device is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it, so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right, now back to our show.
0: Okay, so on that note, shall we jump into questions for today? Yes, I can't wait to get into them. All right, so to start things off, we have a question from Lori, and this was actually from Facebook. I think it was probably when I was asking for questions for you on Facebook. So Lori says, what does our body do with a bolus of protein, speaking of protein, if we have a shorter feeding window, two to four hours? I've been trying to eat 100 grams of protein a day in my feeding window, but I have heard on other podcasts like Huberman Lab that it is best to take in the protein in two to three separate meals of 40 to 50 grams each meal. Advantages slash disadvantages. And then she also wants to know about the timing of protein intake with exercise. Oh, it's such a great question.
1: I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on this as well, Melanie, but I'll give you my opinion on the pros and cons. Optimally, if you were... Just going for building the most amount of muscle possible. So in the case of like someone who's a professional bodybuilder, for example, or just someone who really wants to build the most muscle possible, regardless of, of other goals, like that's your number one goal, you would want to eat at least 30 grams of protein as many times as you possibly could in the day. Now, most of us are not trying to be professional bodybuilders, but every time you eat a certain amount of protein, so around 30 grams of protein from like lean chicken breast or steak or pork or eggs, you are increasing the level of leucine in your blood, which is an amino acid. It's part of the branch chain amino acids, but it actually has the biggest or strongest effect on triggering mTOR for muscle protein synthesis. And so if you have under this amount of leucine, it's called the leucine threshold. Basically, if you exceed it, which is for most people around three grams, it can be somewhere for 2.5 to three grams, depending on how old you are, the younger you are, like you can basically just look at protein and you'll build muscle. But if you're over 30, then you're probably going to need at least maybe 2.7 to 3 grams of leucine at that meal. So what that means is that When you exceed that threshold, your body starts making muscle. The thing is, if you eat more than what you need to trigger muscle protein synthesis, you are not going to trigger it more. You can only trigger it once in one sitting. So, if you eat 30 grams of protein, you'll trigger it once. If you eat 100 grams of protein at that meal, you'll also trigger it once. So, if you're eating all of your protein in just one meal a day, then if your goal isn't to build more muscle than anything else, if you have other goals, for example, like longevity or optimizing just body composition overall, or, you know, there's so many different goals that you could have, then that's fine. But if your goal is to like, say, put on four to six pounds of muscle in a year, you're going to be missing out on those opportunities. I would put it at the very minimum to split it up into two, Separate meals or three, up to four being like more optimal if that's your goal. So, some people say if you eat all of that protein in a bolus, that like I've interviewed amazing protein scientists like Dr. Don Lehman, who say that basically the rest for like every 100 grams of protein that you eat, you get about 60 grams of glucose. Like, basically, the protein just turns to glucose. But if you are eating it at separate meals, most of that protein is going to go towards building muscle. So it kind of depends on what you're optimizing for. I would say, at the very least, if your goal is 100 grams of protein a day to split it up into two, at minimum, up to three separate meals, and doing if you're doing two, like 40 to 50 grams, like you said, if you're doing three meals a day, then 30 to 35 grams per meal. And in terms of timing protein intake with exercise, for most people who are not professional athletes, your anabolic window lasts about 24 hours. So you could eat protein even the day before, like say if you had protein at dinner and then work out the next day in the morning, and that protein is still going to go towards helping you lay down new muscle fibers at that workout. So it's usually about 24 hours. For anyone who isn't a professional athlete, professional athletes or people who have been doing, for example, resistance training for years, they may need to time it a little bit closer, like within two to four hours of the meal. So
0: I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, Melanie. Okay. That was amazing. Quick question. So the very beginning, you said, you know, basically, ideally, if you're wanting to get maximum muscle, everything that you would be eating this protein as much as you can throughout the day. What is the actual window of each of those times? Like you would basically do it eat when you wake up. Like
1: professional bodybuilders they'll they'll eat proteins like six, seven, eight times a day, <laughs> which is like that's why they're just always eating <laughs> like the whole pretty much every two hours. So I think within a couple hours, you could trigger it again. So, like for example, in the paul r c or like the protein pacing, You know, they had very specific time windows where they were eating that protein, you know, every two to three hours, I think sometimes three to four hours, but making sure to get it at regular intervals throughout the day. And that's typically what like aesthetic or bodybuilders do. They wake up, have a protein meal at breakfast, and some of them will even have like a protein shake before going to bed because it can also help with retaining
0: muscle. That sounds very exhausting. It's a job. It's a job in itself. Like you're carrying around chicken breast with you everywhere you go. Okay. Yeah. I agree with everything, everything that you said. I will say, cause I know people get worried about muscle retention with fasting, for example, specifically. And it's kind of a two-part thing. Cause you were talking about the anabolic window of exercise lasting for, you know, 24 hours, so not the same thing because that's related to exercise. But for example, with intermittent fasting, a lot of people will eat all of their protein within you know a shorter window and they're worried about potential muscle loss. So this is just N of 1 for me. And again, I eat a lot of protein a lot. And I do eat it over quite a few hours. And I've wondered this. I wonder your thoughts on this, Vanessa. Is it like I eat so much protein and I wonder if that's why I've been able to not just maintain, but build muscle with a daily intermittent fasting window for years and years. Like, do you think most people would struggle with that, with their protein intake in a shorter window? Sorry, the question is, would people struggle? So I think about this all the time because I have had, I eat such a high protein diet and I eat it in a quote one meal a day situation And I have for like a decade and I've had zero issues with muscle maintenance and zero issues with gaining muscle. So I know that I know it's possible basically in a shorter window, but I also wonder is the effect, is it because I'm eating so much protein, like more than most people would? I just wonder how, like in the practical day-to-day life, do more people who do a shorter eating window find issues with this rather than not? and your experience with your, all the people you've worked with? I think because you're younger,
1: that's part of it. Like you don't need to consume as much, especially when you're in your twenties and thirties, like you just don't need to consume as much protein and you don't need to consume as much leucine to just like maintain what you have. Because every day you have a certain amount of muscle protein breakdown occurring and you just want to make sure that, you trigger muscle protein synthesis enough so that it at least like equals the amount of muscle protein breakdown. And you'll be fine with just like one, one bolus of protein, like what you're doing every day. I don't want to say this will happen for you, but in 20 years or maybe 30 years, you might need to do two meals. Like, I don't know, or you might need to, you might be fine because you're consuming such a big bolus of protein that you're probably hitting like five, six, seven grams of leucine, which is what you need when you're like in your fifties and sixties. So it could be fine just for like maintenance and building. But like, if you were going to go be a full-time bodybuilder, you probably would find that you would need to do more than one meal just to like compete with the amount of muscle that other people are putting on by consuming protein like all day long.
0: Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you hit on exactly what I've wondered because Whenever I hear people talk about this, and I told you before the show that I was listening to an episode all about this last night, and they talk about which I I agree with and believe that as you age, you know it's more of an issue, you know basically after yeah <laughs> what I just said, I'm like, but am I the unicorn here? Because like I just like see myself eating all this protein for like ever. I just love it. Remember how many? Do you know how many grams you do in a day? I mean, I literally eat. I should probably check. I literally eat pounds and pounds of meat and seafood every night. I could throw it in chronometer really quick. Maybe like you're somewhere between 150 to 200 grams. I think one
1: pound is like 50. Usually one pound is like around 50 to grams. So if
0: you're doing like three pounds, it'd be like around 150. Four pounds would be like around 200. This is a pound of protein and like salmon is, but salmon's fattier, is 99 grams. Is that right? let's see, tilapia, 120, trout, 92. Okay. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking it's, maybe it's closer to hundred grams per pound. That's what I always thought with like chicken, but chicken's, you know, very lean.
1: In it, yeah. Chicken has so much protein in it. It's
0: crazy. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's probably in the two hundreds of protein grams. It may be like also because you're kind of
1: you're not just eating it all like within half an hour or an hour, like you are eating it within your, you have like a four or five hour eating windows, right? Something like that. So maybe it's like also spreading it out a little bit. So you have like this kind of constant trickle of amino
0: acids. I think that does need to be considered because I probably am digesting that meal for a long time. So it's probably a a slower release of the protein. Of the amino acids. Yeah. It takes like four to five hours
1: after a meal for them all to be broken down.
0: Yes. And I did not mean to turn this into about me. Um, <laughs> I just, I've just been thinking a lot about that with, with the aging aspect. Interestingly, last night in the interview I was listening to, he was saying with leucine that it can actually turn catabolic. Does that make any sense to you? Mm-mm. Okay. I have to read. I meant to take notes. Such a fail. I was taking I was like, I have to ask Vanessa about this. Yeah, ask me when you find out or send me the podcast. Okay, I will. I will. Like it would be catabolic if you eat a meal and you don't get enough leucine. I'll have to re-listen and see what he was saying about it specifically. It's really interesting. It's when he was talking about he was talking about the the EAAs and people used to focus on just leucine val what are the three? Leucine valine and isoleucine. And yeah, isoleucine is like a secondary triggered after leucine,
1: but leucine like by itself. It just blows away the other ones for muscle protein synthesis
0: activation. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it was like in the context of, I will revisit it and circle back. Yeah really interesting. Does that answer her question mostly? I think so. Awesome.
1: All right. Our next question is from Samantha Tuff. Morning. Just a quick hey all to say, I hope you are doing well. I'm sorry about the trolls of the universe. They're crazy and jealous and you
0: guys are rocking it. Keep it up. I'll jump in to explain what she's talking about there because I don't think you were here, Vanessa. Cynthia and I had A few episodes where we were talking about the environment of social media and just some of the negative energy we had experienced. So I think this was Samantha reaching out to be supportive, which is very kind. So thank you, Samantha. She asks
1: Have you heard of Alulos? I am going to do some research, but thought who best to send down a new rabbit hole than Melanie? Have a fantastic
0: weekend, hearts. Thanks, Sam Tuff. I like that you read the emoji hearts. We love emojis, by the way. If listeners ever want to add emojis.
1: More emojis
0: Yes. Just go like whatever speaks to you. <laughs> just Wait, question, Vanessa. When you're deciding what, emo- <laughs> what emojis to use, do you do what I do? Which is I just like look at all of them. And I'm like, what speaks to me right now?
1: For sure. It's
0: like a catalog of like feelings. <laughs> <laughs> feelings like I was talking with a friend the other day and we needed to come up with an emoji to like communicate something specific between us. And it was so fun. I was like, I just need to look through the catalog. I need to like pick the one that will embody this vibe. What did we do before emojis? I don't know, but whenever
1: there's an update, I'm so excited. And sometimes I'll just scroll through to see if there's any new ones. And I'm like,
0: oh my gosh, there's this. You further convinced me to update so that I can see when I get the the question mark boxes, it kills me so oh, exciting. There's a new one, which is like angel wings. I'm really into it right now. No, my sister, because I couldn't see what my sister was sending me. And I told her, so she sent me a screenshot. And it was like this beautiful new blue shade of heart. That's
1: the heart I keep using. That's the one that you're like, like I can't see what you're sending me. It's
0: always the pretty blue heart. Okay. Okay. I'm going to update. I'm going to join you in the blue heart angel wing club. That's way better than just seeing like a boxed question mark. <laughs> I know. It reminds me of Mario though. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy that includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better, and when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. My favorite. Okay. So back to the question. Thank you, Sam, for your question. It's funny. So I, I've had this one in the lineup for a little bit, but I didn't answer it because I thought we had just answered it. But then I remembered when we answered this, it was when Jen was the co-host. So it's been a while. So time to revisit this question. I went down the rabbit hole as requested and learned a lot. So before I jump into this, Vanessa, do you use allulose?
1: I use stevia and monk fruit, but we're actually researching allulose right now for the protein. So I'm super excited to hear your answer on this.
0: Oh, this is exciting. Wow, this is like in real life.
1: My brother randomly this weekend was like, I think you should use allulose in your protein powder. So,
0: Okay, this is exciting. This is perfect. Well, I have noticed probably throughout the past year-ish, year and a half, that I feel like allulose as the sweetener has skyrocketed. Like it used to be, well, it used to be artificial sweeteners. Then I feel, let me know if you agree with, with this timeline. I feel like first it was artificial sweeteners. Then it was erythritol and stevia. And it kind of like floated there for a little bit. And then stevia, I feel got more popular. And then monk fruit came in. Then it was like stevia and monk fruit. What do you like? Well, back in the day, I don't use any of them really now. I did like stevia, especially (laughs) when I was struggling with Lyme disease. I read a study about how stevia was anti-lime. And I, so I went through a phase where I was like all oh, the stevia, like on everything. I don't know. I like stevia and I liked monk fruit. What How about you? I like stevia
1: or <laughs> stevia. I never, never had any issues with it. I like that it's made from a plant, but there was a concerning report out recently that it can negatively affect male fertility. And I was sent talking about it with Scott. Cause I was like, maybe we should look into a different one, I said first, you know, someone commented that on on my post, and I was like, Do you have the source? and they didn't reply back. But I asked Scott, and he's like, Yeah, I saw that report, so I was like, Send it to me, please. So I don't know yet if there's any truth to it or validity at all, or if it was like one of those things where there was a weird, you know, clickbaity headline, like the thing that happened with. Erythritol, which was yeah
0: crazy. So what happened with erythritol? That's ringing a bell a little bit.
1: There was a study that came out this I think it was sometime around Christmas time, maybe or the early in the new year, and it was a study showing that it increased like cardiac risk, risk for cardiac events. But when all these people in the you know community started breaking it down, like Rob Wolf and all these people. Dr. Ryan Lowry, I know he did a really comprehensive breakdown and, you know, he was just explaining why in the study, it turned out that the body can actually endogenously produce erythritol when people are obese. So that's actually what was happening is that there were higher levels of erythritol because of that. More so obesity was linked with cardiac events or like a higher probability of that. And they were somehow like trying to paint erythritol, the sweetener as the issue. But there's, there's a lot of like different breakdowns that were really good explaining it. But of course the headline, I had so many people send it to me, you know, who just like saw the headline and were like freaking out about it, which I, I mean, I don't really use it. So, but I have recommended it in my cookbooks and stuff. So I was really glad to see that it wasn't like what people were
0: saying it was. As far as taste goes, I do really like the taste of erythritol. And then Yeah, Stevia. I remember I was using monk fruit a lot, and then I was reading about how it could possibly mess with hormones. And I was like, oh, it's always something, always something. So allulose might be the sugar. So what is allulose? (laughs) So it's actually, it is a sugar. It's a low energy monosaccharide sugar. It's naturally found in some fruits. So kiwis, figs, and raisins, but in very small amounts. And then compared to sugar, it's about 70% of the sweetness of sugar. It's 0.2 calories a gram. So that's 95% less calories compared to straight up sucrose, what we think of as white sugar. So here's the thing. It is similar to fructose and it actually uses the exact same transport and distribution pathways that fructose uses, but we don't have enzymes to metabolize it. So basically what happens is it is a sugar, it tastes sweet, it goes down the fructose pathway, we don't extract energy from it. And it actually is almost completely extracted with the help of the kidneys and doesn't provide any calories. So that's really cool. On top of that, so not only is it sweet without any calories, there's actually been a lot of studies on its effect on blood sugar levels and insulin levels. And it seems to have really beneficial effects. So it actually has anti-diabetic effects. The majority, or a lot of the studies, especially in the beginning, were in Asian populations, but they were pretty consistently showing this data. I found a newer study. It was called Effects of D-allulose on Glucose Tolerance and Insulin Response to a Standard Oral Sucrose Load, Results of a Prospective Randomized Crossover Study. So this was a 2021 study. They looked at a Western population to see the effects of allulose and they compared it. So basically the participants were given a standard load. So they were given a basic load of normal sugar, 50 grams, and then they were randomized to either a placebo or they were given more and more doses of allulose. So 2.5 grams, 5 grams, 7.5 grams, 10 grams and it was a crossover treatment so both people did both things and then they measured glucose and insulin levels to see the effects and they found it was dose dependent meaning the more you like the higher the dose of allulose the greater the effect of reducing blood sugar levels in the allulose group 30 minutes 30 minutes after the the dose compared to the placebo. So that is pretty cool. It didn't continue beyond that. So they didn't have continued lower blood sugar after the 30 minute mark, but it did happen right after. Also, the insulin levels were trending towards lower as well. And again, similar to the sugar, the insulin later on, it didn't have any effects, but it did immediately after the meal. So Their conclusion was that I'll just read it to you. It said, this is the largest study assessing the effects of D allulose in Westerners demonstrating an early dose dependent reduction in plasma glucose and insulin levels, as well as decreased postprandial glucose and insulin excursion in subjects. Oh, without diabetes. So these were normal, like normal people. So in addition to what I was saying about how the allulose is, you know, basically processed, but not processed by the body, there's also been a lot of other hypotheses. What's the plural of hypothesis? Hypotheses. 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 I feel like I should know that for why this happens. It's kind of sort of like with berberine. When I was researching berberine and realized there's all these potential ways that it may be working, that seems to be the same with allulose. So it may inhibit enzymes directly in the body, which suppress the glycemic response to carbs. It may also directly slow the absorption of glucose if it's there at the same time. So basically not only is it tricking the body and tasting sweet and not being metabolized, it might actually at the same time impede or stop the body from also absorbing any sugar taken with it. So I've been reading about how people with blood sugar issues will actually add allulose to the carb meals to actually beneficially Affect the absorption of the carbs, as in slow it down or inhibit it a bit, which is very interesting. It also can stimulate, it has been shown to stimulate glycogen synthesis in the liver and also promote faster restoration of glycogen in the liver and muscles after exercise. That's really interesting. So, not only is it like impeding carbohydrate absorption, it's also helping promote the actual glycogen in the liver, which is, I feel like that's a little bit. Counterintuitive, but very interesting. And then it also induces glucagon like peptide 1, GLP 1, released from intestinal cells and can regulate glucose concentrations after glucose and allulose intake. So, yeah, it seems to have a lot of really cool effects. And then I went down the rabbit hole because I was reading in one list of benefits where they said it had potential anti aging properties. And I was like, what? So then I went and looked that up. These are all in animal trials, but There was one trial in mice called Allulose Attenuated Age-Associated Sarcopenia via Regulating IGF-1 and Myostatin in Aged Mice, and they found that Allulose actually improved sarcopenia in mice and enhanced antioxidant properties, and it was all by altering mRNA in their bodies and affecting IGF-1. So it might support muscle maintenance like we were talking about earlier. Another study, this again, this was in yeast, but they actually found that allulose affected, it might work as a calorie restriction mimetic, meaning it can send signaling to the body sort of like a calorie restriction or fasting would do, specifically activating the AMPK pathway that we talk about a lot, which is you have like the AMPK pathway and the mTOR pathway. AMPK is associated with, it's activated by things like calorie restriction, fasting, exercise, and it helps the body with repair. And it just has a lot of like anti-aging potential to it. Allulose might affect that as well. So that was a lot there, but it sounds like allulose has a lot of potential benefits, when it comes to blood sugar control, insulin, and it's more practical because I know that was like a lot of sciencey stuff. I think it bakes very similar to sugar. So like you can use it very similar to sugar in your goods and it doesn't really have, you've tried it, right? Vanessa, have you? I haven't actually tried it before. Oh, so it actually tastes very similar to sugar and acts the same. And it doesn't really have any weird aftertaste at all. It's very surprising, actually. So it seems to be a pretty cool supplement. I do have one concern about it. But before I do that, do you have any thoughts based on all of that?
1: Well, (laughs) I'm feeling really good about it. And then I was doing a little bit of research, and it turns out that it's banned in Europe because it's a potential carcinogen, and Canada also. But there's also current applications to have allulose approved in Europe. So it sounds like the most recent update is that it's actually going through the process as a novel sugar for approval. And this was back in September. It's going through this process, the novel foods process, in order to gain approval and be able to be sold in the EU. It's I don't know if it's in Canada. It's definitely approved by the FDA. There's some German researchers that published a study in Nature, and they said that allulose has real potential to meet customers' needs in the EU when replacing sugar or sweeteners with different forms of sugar. And taste is one of the most important factors. Like, as you were saying, it tastes good, followed by its glycemic effect, and then on insulin, and then the price, dental health and calorie content. So it sounds like it might get approved, but it's not yet.
0: It's so interesting because I'm just Googling carcinogen. I wonder what studies they're using because I'm not finding any studies. <laughs> like nothing's coming up for studies showing that it's a carcinogen. It says it just hasn't
1: been approved for use yet in Canada or Europe because it's considered a novel food, which means it hasn't been available long enough for sufficient testing, according to the governments in Europe. So it may have no carcinogenic effect at all. That was just like one thing that I read. So maybe it's just because it's new and they need more studies in order to approve it. Sounds like they're just being a little more cautious with it, but it's been approved in the U.S. by the FDA since 2012. So it sounds like they just need more research, but these German researchers just submitted a study and so it's going through the process.
0: Did it say the timing on that?
1: That was September of 2022, the most recent September.
0: I'll be really curious to see how that unfolds. Studies were overwhelmingly positive. I did find one negative study and it was just hypothesizing. It was saying that in vitro, so not in vivo, but in vitro, basically if they put this certain type of bacteria called (laughs) Klebsiella pneumoniae, which is an opportunistic human pathogen, So basically if they take this bacteria that we don't want flourishing in us and they put it in a a culture and they give it allulose, it uses the allulose. So they were saying that we need to make sure it doesn't support the growth of problematic bacteria. That was the only negative thing I could find. My thoughts, like quote negative, and this is all – this is going to be the case I think with any artificially sweetened thing – which it's mostly after interviewing Mark Schatzker for his book. Well, he wrote The Dorito Effect, but he also wrote The End of Craving. And I, th- I don't know if I talked about this when you were on the show, but he talks about studies where they give people artificially sweetened beverages where they were either calorie matched to the actual amount of sugar or not calorie matched. Does this ring a bell? Yeah, we talked about it before. And it, yeah, it has to do, it's like his
1: theory that it's really just a mismatch in like, what you're signaling to the body is coming in and what is actually coming in that causes confusion with the metabolism. Yeah.
0: Look at you on top of it. Yeah. So he talks about these really fascinating studies where basically when people were given mismatched beverages, if it was artificially sweetened and it actually had less calories than it tasted like it did, it actually stopped the people's (laughs) metabolisms. So like, it's really ironic because basically they'd be taking in less calories but their body thought it was sweeter and it kind of like freaked out and it downregulated the, the metabolic rate. So his whole theory is – well, not his whole theory. He has a lot of theories. But one of his theories is that artificially sweetened things might create confusion with the body. So that is that is like separate from allulose. That's just another – that's just like the, the concept in general of artificially sweetened things. But when it comes to actual allulose, I mean, it's kind of overwhelming the positive studies on it.
1: I agree. I think mm-hmm. it – sounds overwhelmingly positive my brother mentioned it because he said it's one of the maybe it's the only sweetener that he can actually tolerate I think that's also an issue that people have with these sweeteners is some for some people they cause like gastric distress and
0: so yeah if it's one that like is well tolerated that would be a big plus too what's really interesting and something to think about for the labeling if you do go this route and you'll you'll come to this I don't know if this will change but They still when they label it on the packages, they label it has to be labeled as a carb, I believe. So like when you look at the label, it'll say that it has like all these grams of sugar, but then you have to have a disclaimer saying that's from allulose and it's not metabolized.
1: I wonder if it I've seen that for sugar alcohols.
0: I wonder if it would be the same for stevia or for all of them, because I would never consider Stevia a carb. Like Stevia, no. Monk fruit, no sugar alcohols, yes, but labeled as a sugar alcohol. The problem with allulose is that you have to label it, at least right now, it's labeled as a sugar. So it's even, it's really confusing.
1: Yeah. Cause it's, it sounds like it technically
0: is one, but your body just doesn't like metabolize it. So you have to like, <laughs> it requires a lot of education and it requires a lot of disclaimers on the bag to let people know that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing all that incredible research
0: on it. And I'm sure a listener's Will as well because it was so comprehensive thank you no thank you I'm really excited for your journey of designing the protein and what you you have to keep as much as you can without giving things away you have to let me know (laughs) yes definitely
1: I'm just so excited for the formulation and I I think stevia probably is going to make the most sense I'm super interested to learn about about all of them and it sounds like everything there's pros and cons with with everything But yeah, we just got to
0: research it a little bit more, but it's, it's so much fun to just be in that like creative space with it. I love it. And I will say if I'm just putting on my forecast hat, I do see Allulose being the future. Like it's the trend I've seen. So I think it will become more and more popular. I definitely have seen it trending more and more. So I got to try it.
1: Maybe I'll try it when we're in Denver because I was really, I was pleasantly surprised with monk fruit. I tried that a couple of times at KetoCon actually, and I was I thought it was great and Pete actually liked that one he doesn't like the other ones so I did get that one a little while for him but it's great to see more stuff (laughs) more options available and yeah I, I personally use stevia like most days like a little bit in my yogurt sometimes in like some water with lemon like make a
0: little lemonade or like in my protein shakes so I'm so excited this is so exciting. It's like it's like in real life, in real time. Like I feel like the audience is like helping us develop the protein powder. It's so exciting. I love it. Well, so many great questions on this episode. I know. So, for listeners, if you'd like to submit your own questions to the show, and remember, we love emojis, just email questions at ifpodcast.com or go to ifpodcast.com and submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at slash episode 324. And those will have a transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. So, that's super helpful. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are I F Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon and Vanessa is ketogenic girl. All right. I think that's all the things. Anything from you, Vanessa, before we wrap this up? I
1: can't wait to catch you
0: all on the next episode. Likewise. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman, editing by podcast doctors, show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner, transcripts by speech docs and original theme Composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.